Welcome to Living Water Radio. We had our first tropical storm warning ever in Southern California the other day, and right in the middle of it, we had an earthquake. Some say that those who experienced relatively less trauma through all of this were blessed. If so, were those who lost their homes in rivers of boulders and waist-high mud cursed? How does that work? Today, we're going to find out. My name is Pastor David Burkettall. My wife, Reverend Sally Welch, is co-producing this podcast. Sally is an ordained minister actively focusing on ecumenical and interfaith ministry. I served Lutheran Christian congregations in Compton, California, and in San Dimas, California, for over 40 years. Today, I'm filling in temporarily for pastors in the Los Angeles area, maintaining our yard as my gym, and I'm attempting to learn Mandarin Chinese. We are retired clergy and have over 80 years of ordained ministry experience between the two of us. Check out our first Living Water Radio podcast, number zero, Welcome and Introduction, for more information about us and this podcast. We had several days of warning leading up to the arrival of Tropical Storm Hillary this past Sunday. The storm hit with its greatest force east of us in the Coachella Valley and places like Cathedral City, Seven Oaks, and in Palm Springs, and in the high desert in the Antelope Valley in places like Lancaster, where there were so many roads closed that they ran out of road-closed signs. I drove across L.A. to Westchester near LAX and back to preach and lead worship at Westchester Lutheran Church. The way back was mostly a normal drive in a winter's rainstorm. The way there varied from barely raining to accidents every half mile or so, near hydroplaning and almost no ability to see the traffic in front of me or the lane markers on the sides of my car. And then there was the earthquake. It was centered in Ojai, northwest of L.A., but felt near us and well into Orange County. It measured 5.1 on the Richter scale, enough to cause damage but no fatalities. A hurricane and an earthquake. A hurricane! One newscaster asked if we should expect a plague of locusts next. Her partner warned her not even to say that. A field reporter told of having pulled their truck up to a mudslide to prepare a report when they heard a funny sound outside, and when they went to investigate, they found that another mudslide had thundered across the road behind them. They were cut off. We got three to four inches of rain in about 24 hours, about the same as in a major winter storm. Some places in the high desert got eight inches. Places in the Mojave Desert got more rain in a day than they normally get in a whole year. L.A. got more rain on that one day than they ever had since they started keeping records in 1877. We saw flooded freeways, places where roads had become rivers, and in Cathedral City, mud flowed five feet deep through a residential neighborhood, leaving people unable to leave their homes. Thousands of people lost power. People in a convalescent care facility had to be removed with a skip loader. Residents in Seven Oaks had to be rescued and removed by helicopter. On the plus side, 1.9 billion gallons of water was trapped to seep into our aquifers. People back east, as well as Californians themselves, are amused by the fact that we tend to freak out over a half an inch of rain, though this storm dropped many times that in most areas. But we take earthquakes in stride. There was barely any mention of Sunday's earthquake two days later, but the news was still dominated by the effects of the rain. For a while, even the disastrous fire on Maui was off the screen. 
The last time we had a storm like this was in 1939, and a hundred people died. This time we had time to prepare, and with the geographical adaptations that have been made since then, like concrete-channeled rivers, we had one death, though there are still people missing. So, there was a great deal of difference between how much trauma people suffered or didn't suffer in this storm, depending on where you lived, as well as in storms like it, depending on when you lived. I saw a meme online that showed a patio table and four chairs, one of which was tipped over. The text said, Tropical Storm Hillary 2023, we will rebuild. Okay, that might describe a few people's experience, but what about those whose homes were washed away, whose cars are soaked through, whose businesses were crushed, or even those whose loved ones are still missing? And how do we make sense of the difference? How do we explain what happened? Some say that if they experienced little to no trauma, it was because they were blessed. But think about that. Would any of them say that those who have lost so much were cursed? Is that the way things work? Jesus had something to say about that in Luke chapter 13, verses 1 through 5. At that very time, there were some present who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. He asked them, Do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they were worse sinners than all other Galileans? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Or those eighteen who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish just as they did. If God is good, why is there evil in the world, and why is there good? Why do some people suffer while others seem to go through life unscarred? I don't pretend to have all the answers. This is such a big question. It has its own name, the Odyssey. But here are seven things to consider. First, the world is not the way it's supposed to be. God made the world as a perfect place for all of creation, in perfect harmony with God, the creator of heavens and the earth. He made human beings for a perfect relationship with God. But in order for that relationship to mean something, God had to give humans a way to say no. And they did. And evil entered the world. God entered human history in Jesus Christ to die on the cross to redeem the world from the consequences of its rebellion. But evil still enters the world as it always has, by human rebellion against God. The world is not the way it's supposed to be. Second, God is good. God is sovereign over the world. And God loves us and desires nothing but good for us. But we can't always see the right connection between what happens and what is the work of God in our lives. For example, we can't even always know whether what happens to us is good for us or evil. I once heard a story about a Chinese rancher who was visited by his neighbor who hadn't been by for a while. How are things going, the neighbor said. I don't know, replied the rancher. What do you mean you don't know? Well, he said, do you remember the big thunderstorm we had a couple of months ago? Yes. All my horses got spooked and smashed out of the corral. That's bad, right, said the neighbor. I don't know, replied the rancher. What do you mean you don't know? My men went out to get them, and they found my horses and five Mustangs. That's good, right? 
I don't know, replied the rancher. What do you mean you don't know? My son tried to break one of them and got thrown off and broke his arm. That's bad, right? said the neighbor. I don't know, replied the rancher. What do you mean you don't know? A warlord came by the next day and conscripted all my men, but he didn't take my son because he had a broken arm. That's good, right? said the neighbor. I don't know, replied the rancher. What do you mean you don't know? And the story keeps going on and on like that. We may not know whether what happens to us is really good or bad in life, yet we can know the power of God because it is revealed to us in Jesus Christ, because it comes as something from outside ourselves. Third, if it seems contradictory that God is loving and all-powerful and desires nothing but good for all creation, yet evil enters the world, sometimes a paradox is as far as we can get in our understanding. God is God, and we're not. Fourth, no matter what, God is present with us in our suffering. God is with us, and God never abandons us. The suffering in this world will someday come to an end. We see in Revelation 21, verses 3 through 4, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them as their God. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away. God will wipe away every tear, and as a pastor I heard talk about this once said, God has a big handkerchief. Our lives have meaning and purpose in the living relationship with the one true living God for which we were created, the relationship with God that God will never end. We are blessed even, and perhaps especially, in our suffering because God is there. Fifth, though our suffering can rob us of happiness, it can never take away our joy. That is a gift from God. It is the bedrock foundation of a life lived in faith. That may be the hardest thing about us for the world to understand. No one can take it away from us, and it will be perfected in the life to come. Sixth, only God sees the big picture in life. Only God can see the meaning of everything that happens in our life. And only God can bring good out of the evil we experience in life. Joseph's brothers sold him into slavery in Egypt. But Joseph would be elevated to a position where he could save his family, the sons of Israel, from ruin and starvation during a drought. When the brothers came into his presence, they were afraid that he would be angry with them. But Joseph said in Genesis fifty eighteen through 20 Then his brothers also wept, fell down before him, and said, We are here as your slaves. But Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God? Even though you intended to do harm to me, God intended it for good, in order to preserve a numerous people, as he is doing today. Each of our lives are like threads in a tapestry, each one of which has little meaning by itself. But one day each thread will be woven together by God, the master weaver, and the big picture will be revealed. Seventh, we are best prepared for life by living it in response to what God has done for us on the cross, reconciling us to himself making of us a new creation, born again. We live from the inside out, restored to our true selves, 
and seeking the good of all as God gives us the ability. We are best prepared by turning away from what is destroying us and toward God, what it means to repent in this life so that we do not perish, as Jesus said in our reading from Luke, unexpectedly and unprepared. We saw officials on TV all stress the importance of being prepared for natural and not-so-natural disasters. Whether it is a tropical storm, an earthquake, a brush fire, or whatever, preparation is necessary for our survival, and it all is the same. Have a go bag prepared with what you will need to live for three days, including your medication, and what you need for your pet. Have batteries, chargers, and an emergency radio. Have a plan for reconnecting with loved ones. Jesus points us to the importance of being prepared for life's disasters, including those that lead us to the end of life. And it's just one thing. Repent. That is, open your heart to the transformational presence of God, the relationship of faith that leads to new life in this world and the next. We are all sinners, and we all need a Savior. Good enters the world as it always has, by God's grace and often through the agency of God's people. The world is not what it's supposed to be, but salvation has come. It is the one true blessing, and it is given to all who repent. That is the good news that we have to share, and it transforms the world. Today, let's remember to pray the Lord's Prayer, the one that Jesus taught us. If you don't know what that is, contact us at the Revs David and Sally at gmail.com or send us a tweet to at David Burkadal and we'll send it to you. Send your prayer requests to either of the same addresses and we'll include them next time. Send your comments, questions, and concerns there as well and we'll respond to every one. As always, we encourage you to stay hydrated, to open your heart to receive the living water from the source, God's self the living presence of the one true living God, the God who gave himself on the cross so that all who believe and are baptized might be restored to the living relationship with God for which we were created. Remember your church. Identify one if you don't already have one. Pray about it and ask the Holy Spirit to guide you. Ask a friend about it or a family member. Google it. Contact the pastor. When you have a church, Go to or tune into the worship services they have available and support your church with your time, your treasure, and your talent. Pray for and support your pastor and church leaders as they seek to do God's will for your congregation. If you are having thoughts of suicide or are struggling with mental health issues, call somebody, contact a friend or a relative, Google a local or national hotline, reach out. There are people around you who will walk with you through this dark time into the light. You are not alone. Wear a mask when you're outside your home. Practice social distancing. Wash or sanitize your hands regularly. Avoid crowds if you can. And be outside if you have to be in a crowd. But most importantly, get your vaccines and boosters. It's the one thing you can do to literally save lives and get us back on track. Be kind to everyone you come into contact with. Everyone you meet today struggles in some way. Be a helper and encourager. Thank you for listening to Living Water Radio. We are here for Christians and for the people of the Los Angeles metropolitan area who are looking for a sense of Christian community, a source of hope, 
and a way to thrive together as we move into the new normal. We hope you'll tune in next time and invite your friends to do the same. Meanwhile, Sally and I encourage you to open your hearts to receive living water, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and stay hydrated.